Well, the game may be over, but the best Hawkeye analysis is just getting started. This is the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. Welcome to the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off preview podcast. Doing this each and every week, and uh, lucky enough. I have enough, a question. Oh, oh, what's up? What What are we previewing? We're going to preview the bye week. What do you mean, Heather? What are we previewing? Very simple. Okay. It's the Jethro's. That's why Bill, Bla- Bill Blank is in here. So Bill we can Blank do, uh, is in studio. So we can can make stuff up. (laughs) We are going to talk about the first half of this season. So it's going to be more like a review. Yes, we're looking back. And then next week when I do this, then it will be a preview of the second half of the season. We'll break down the schedule. Travis will be back, I think, for that uh, episode. So once Travis is back, we'll figure out what we're going to do to preview that. But this episode is going to be kind of a reflection back on the year. I've got my friend Heather Burnside sitting in with us today. Heather, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. No problem. Bill Blank also, as Heather mentioned, is in studio. Big Hawkeye fan. What's up, Bill? Yo, what's up? In fact, he is a must-follow if you're a Hawk fan that likes truth pills. Very passionate. Because he wears his heart on his sleeve. (laughs) His live tweets during the game are a must. Bill, let's start right with that, man. You are a roller coaster of emotion when uh, the Hawkeyes are playing. So I want you to think back at the first half of the season. And think of high moments and low moments. Can you think of a time uh, this year when you thought the Hawkeyes were great? No. Can you think of a time this year? (laughs) Can you think of a time this year when you thought the Hawkeyes were awful? Yeah, there. Well, there were definitely more of those times. It's it's one of those things where I think if you're gonna be a Hawkeye fan, you just have to accept the fact that every season can go either way. I could be 12 and 0. Could be 12 and 0 or you could be 6 and 6. Yeah, exactly. Like five you and six. you can't 5 and 7. You just can't set your I'm sights. I I just don't feel like you can set your sights anywhere and to me that's kind of the frustrating part. Like I really wish I could just be really confident and I don't have those rose-colored glasses that a lot of Hawkeye fans have. Uh, and I I wish I had them to be honest. Heather, I think one of the problems that that Bill is seeing, the Hawkeyes have not played a complete game yet. They have not put together a good offensive and defensive performance in the same game. Mm-hmm. Illinois might be the closest they did that, and that was only in the while. second half. It right. took an alarming amount of time for them to get going against a really not good Illinois team. And you know what? If you remember last year, because Illinois, to me, the sight test, if you look, they look, they look good. You know what I mean? Like when you, it's not like you're looking at a team that is distinctly inferior when you stand them up next to each other. Mm. It's not like a North Texas where it's very clear yeah, what you're that we have bigger, even, stronger Wy- guys. even Wyoming when they lined up, you can yeah, tell the Hawks exactly. are much like bigger. You can see that's, that. Like Illinois, I, I actually went to the Illinois game last year in Champaign and that game started off a little slow. In fact, one of my favorite moments of that game was right after uh, there was an interception. The offense was just started really slow, and we were about five, six rows behind the bench, and Brian Ferentz came over and was just screaming at everybody, kicked one of the benches over, and was just – you could you could read his lips. There were a lot of F-bombs, and, like, and I loved that moment. I was like, that's what I want to see on the sideline. Like, I want to see – because Kirk, you know, he's pretty – He's pretty monotone most of the time. Yeah. And so the fact that Brian is his son kind of I just love the fact that he was what so What do you think about what do you think about Brian Ferentz's performance so far? I'll I'll give I'll let you go first and I'll give you my evaluation. I think <laughs> I think as a play caller he's done 
he's done pretty well. I I I I think he's done a good job. What I what I don't like is and I understand why they do it. I don't like the fact that they run out of that single back set a lot. I see. Yeah, right. And Chad I, talked about this on Hawk Central this week, Bill. The the numbers are staggering when you stack them up next to each other about how many yards per carry they get in a single back set and when they put the full back back there. It's astonishing. Yeah. And what, I, what kind of numbers? Uh, the like, full, with the full back, they're averaging something like two or three times the amount of yards per carry. Ooh. Yeah. And it's and it was it was obvious to me in the Iowa State game. Like I I remember one of my live tweets during the Iowa State game was quit running out of the single back set. Every time there was a fullback in the game, it was a six seven yard gain. They'd run out, of, and I understand why they do it because the you know you tip your hand a lot less. You have more wide outs on the field and stuff like that. And they'll do the they'll do two tight ends out of that single back set, and so it it doesn't quite. It doesn't t- tip your hand quite as much. Usually when they're in that eye formation and there's a fullback in the backfield, everybody kind of knows they're running. Yeah, but I think, but, CB, how's my take on that? You have to do that. In order for it to be effective, four of their longest passes have also come from that big set with a, with a fullback and a exactly. couple of tight ends. But in order for that to be effective, to get those tight ends loose over the middle of the field, you've got to run the ball out of that set 80% of the time. Exactly. So that way, when you put that fullback in, everybody comes up close to the line. It gives no offense a little bit more of a chance. And I felt like in Illinois, that was probably the best game plan from front to back that Brian Ferentz had because, Heather, watching that game, you were there. It seemed like from the opening snap, the plan was we're going to lean on this offensive line and wear them down. It was body shots, to make a boxing analogy. Well, and with an opponent like Illinois, I think that's what Iowa's plan should be. Yeah, I was a little surprised at how long it took to finally deliver the knockout blow, but once they got going... It was a good game plan. Yeah, and you started to kind of beat up on those freshmen and, and wear them down. Right? I, now, you got a chance to talk to Chad after he talked to Brian Ferentz. How is Brian Ferentz adjusting to his role as offensive coordinator? Uh, it's obviously a high-profile position. Yeah. Um, you're not going to be the most popular guy when the offense struggles. Yeah, he's and not. He's learning that, I'm assuming. He's been more critical on himself. And, and just hearing this, some of the things that he said to Chad um, – He's he doesn't think he has done a good job so far. He really regrets the uh, safety against Penn State. He thinks he made a really bad decision on that toss sweep to Akram Wadley in the end zone. I would agree with that. I, I thought that was a weird call at the time. Now, that being said, it's one of those execution deals. You get mm-hmm. one more block, Akram Wadley is able to shake that tackle. If he goes for 99 yards there, we're all talking about how incredible what a brilliant Brian call it was. My take on Fer- Brian overall, I would not be nearly as critical as he was on himself, which I love. That's... That's mm-hmm. important. I think he's done a great job. Great might be a stretch. I'd say B plus in the area of B plus is what I would give him so far. I love the fact that they continue to uh, go for it on fourth down. They've had a fake punt, a fake field goal, and an onside kick that have all been successful. And I think because of the timing and execution of them, um, all three of those involved uh, kind of a strange factor. AJ Epinesa caught the 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 pass on the fake punt was or on, they were both fake punts. It wasn't a fake field goal. AJ Epinesa caught the pass on the fake punt. I think it was Hooker that Hooker, ran the ball. Yeah, yeah. Your safety ran the ball on one of the fake punts. And then the onside kick we found out yesterday was actually called by the kicker. Miguel Racinos was given the the ability to if, which is amazing in and of itself absolutely incredible that they would let a guy do that say hey, listen if you get this set if this is the look that they're giving you you can make this adjustment at the line and everybody will know what you're doing here and they did it and worked to perfection it now 
And then we wasted it and didn't score any points. That's okay. You, and and the other thing, Bill, that a lot of people <laughs> that's where the B plus comes in. You're right. The other thing that a lot of people were mad about with that uh, with that game is why did you have to pull out all of those things against Illinois? Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I that was one of my things. Was like I love that they're doing these things, but the fact that we're doing it against almost. You know, and it turned out in the end it really wasn't the case, but it's like we shouldn't have to rely on gimmicks to beat a team like Illinois. Like we should just – and that's I, – I think some of that comes from being an impatient fan where you want them to dominate that thing out of the gate and not have to do anything. And the knockout blow arguably was Snyder's pick six. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even an offensive play. So there, that's what's troublesome, but I'm I'm like you – I tend to, you know, and if you look at the things I say, at this point, Kirk Ferentz has earned uh, the right for me not to question him. Like, the guy's obviously already forgotten more football than I know anyway, but what Kirk Ferentz has done in his tenure, I think he deserves the benefit of the the doubt. So I tend to move towards blaming the players for not executing because when Mm -hmm. when things are executed properly, it's pretty beautiful to watch. I'm just shocked that as Hawk fans, I mean, look at who Iowa's lost to. Yeah, those are really good losses. They are. Yeah. And and to think that, I mean, Penn State was on the ropes. Or, I mean, Iowa is right there, and I'm sure Penn State kept looking at the time of possession, kept looking at the total yards and thinking, how is this possible? Yeah. And mm-hmm. yet we have to pull off a miracle play on fourth down to beat this team. Yep, we had Saquon Barkley play like a an NFL Hall of Famer, uh, and definitely the lead candidate for the Heisman against Iowa. And then you know now that Michigan State loss doesn't look nearly as bad. Absolutely, now that they, they've knocked off Michigan, hundred percent. And you took care of Illinois. I mean, again, I I think the game plan kind of was we're not going to go out there and and blow this team away. We're going to go out there and just body punch this team to death. We're going to run the ball down their throat, and then we're going to kill them in that second half. I. The Illinois game and the Illinois game plan was what my expectations were that opening week against Wyoming. I thought you'd have an offensive line that looked really good. And that's another part of this, Bill. For the first time in six games, the offensive line played a really good game. You didn't Mm -hmm. have glaring. With a true freshman and a redshirt freshman. Right. I love this, man. So There was was a play in that Michigan State game because there was a moment in that Michigan State game where I was like, I never thought I'd say this, but... I feel like our offensive line sucks right now. I, Bill, and there was a time. Now, again, there, consider the opponents on that. That's right. a very good defense, but I'm with you. There was a time when I realized during that Michigan State game, this line is not very good. Well, there was a play, though, in particular that I remember where uh, Wadley got tackled for a loss, and on the replay you saw um, Daniels, who's supposed to be our best lineman, and um, I can't remember the another veteran. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But uh, they both were run, they they almost literally stood there and watched guys run by them. Like they were looking for who they were supposed to block, and they didn't know. And the, it was like they were looking around for somebody to block. And while they were doing that, those guys made the tackle. And that was a moment where I was like, "What what is going on? Where these guys aren't even? I mean." That's like something you learn in little league football. 
if if when in doubt you just hit somebody like <laughs> like they didn't hit anybody they they literally stood there and looked around i was like are you kidding me right now these are division one scholarship athletes so that was tough that was tough to watch and tough to swallow but they, they made they, made they the played better last week made the adjustments sure. tristan worth looks like he is uh, a seasoned vet already that's fun to see and not just those freshmen heather the skill position guys that we were questioning before the season started um, look like they can actually play. Nick Easley has four touchdowns on the year. He's leads the team in receptions, almost has twice as many as Akram Wadley, who's second on the team, does have twice as many as Noah Fant, who's third on the team. So that's been fun to see Nick Easley be uh, kind of a breakout. But these other young guys with Amir Smith-Marset and Ivory Kelly-Martin and Brandon Smith, uh, Torin Young, it, it's it's a lot more exciting for the future of Iowa football than I thought it was going to be right now. That's, I I think Marce- a good way to put it. Yeah. I think Marset has has shown some things. Um, as an I I think I speak for every Iowa fan. Nick Easley has been he's the Nicholas Bear of Iowa football. That's a good way to put like, that. that I, I haven't heard that, Bill. That's really good. This dude is you. You cannot you cannot not love that guy and say that you're a football fan. Period. Much less an Iowa fan. And there is something to be said for a kid that grew up wanting to be a Hawkeye. Like, his dream was to play for the Hawkeyes, and now he's there, and he is not going to let that go. Well, and how many times have we had the conversation that Iowa is Iowa because they get those kind of players that grew up wanting – I mean, you you have to develop – grab and develop and make your hometown kids, your home state kids – Want to come to your school. Want to come to the the school and then – be able to coach them up when they get there. Yeah, you want the you definitely want to I, I had a buddy that coached it at Iowa State for a brief time. He started out as a graduate assistant at Iowa State under McCarney. Um and everybody knows who he is. I'm not gonna reveal his name because I don't know that he would want anybody to know that he's I friends said with this. you. <laughs> yeah. Um but he told me that Dan McCarney's goal every year was to win the state of Iowa in recruiting. And I think that that was one of the things that made McCarney do so well against Iowa for those years where they were, you know, where Iowa State won five in a row. Because at that time, there were more Iowa kids playing for Iowa State. And that's, they clearly, you know, seemed to want that game more at that time. And I think that's, that shifted a little to where I think Iowa tends to kind of win the in state recruiting battle right now. And, um, you know, you obviously you're not going to win or, or a conference or have like a really good team on a national level with with all Iowa kids on your team. I mean, you got to get them from everywhere. But there's something to be said for that handful of guys that are talented enough to play at that level that come out of the state that literally I mean, I look back at like Tim Dwight, you know, Tim Dwight was a guy that eat slept and and breathed Iowa football right, right. his wanted entire it from life from the time he was a little kid he exactly. wanted to wear that until he got rock. and then he got on the team and he was uh, you know the best player on the team so like and easily you know easily's not probably an NFL level talent like Dwight was but he may turn out to be but the kid, yeah, that's, he's that's, nailed, that's cart in front of the horse right now. But that, yeah, he, 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 I like the Nicholas Bear comparison a lot more than the Tim Dwight. No, that's but I, I, <laughs> when I make the Tim Dwight comparison, I just make it based on the attitude and yeah. the you yeah. know 
the the kid just grew up wanting to be a Hawkeye, and you can you can see it when he's on the field. You can tell. If it weren't for the wave and how that has uh, has really dominated even the, the national media landscape yeah. storylines uh, coming out of Iowa. I think this Brandon Snyder story on Saturday would have been like game day type stuff. I agree. Uh, six Five months, and a half months or yeah, whatever. Yeah, six months after he tears his ACL, the kid's back in and, and has the game he did, gets that pick six. Um, that was, again, lost in so many other things. The wave, Iowa State's upset that had a thousand storylines of its own. But Brandon Snyder with uh, an awesome game on Saturday. The, it was cool the thing see. about that, man, speaking of wearing my heart on my sleeve, I teared up when that happened. When he when got that, six. I'm like, Aww. I'm up screaming, and like my eyes started to water, and I was like, oh, you know, so because it, it's so funny, see, heart on his sleeve, everybody. Yeah, yep. it, it's so funny because like, if the players, and I've I've told this to you guys before, if the players watched my tweets. They would be like, don't even like our team. Yep, they they'd would. be like, don't even like us. You're, we don't even uh, want see, you everybody else always brags about how Bill. It's so fun to follow Bill on Twitter. It's tough for me. It's yeah. <laughs> tough for me to follow you, man, because you are, you are, you just live and die with every player, every, which I, I admire, know. and that's how my entire family was. But that's why I don't watch games with my dad on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 you watch with Travis. But yeah, I think right. the exact opposite. Right, we like it to be calm and, and yeah. cool. I right? think the people that, there's definitely people out there that don't like it. I you know I hear but the majority of people tell me that they love it and they it's, they mostly think it's funny it's you know it's entertainment certainly. but but I also think that I also think that I'm saying what a lot of people are feeling I think there's a lot of people like me that are living and dying with every snap like that but they don't want the rest of the world and the general public to know how irrational they are and I don't care. <laughs> do you feel pressure to live tweet now? Like, I do actually. Yeah, with yeah, the amount now of, it's a performance. Yeah, with yeah. The, with the amount of people that because there's definitely been times where I would just rather put my phone down and just watch the game and just sit there and be calm. And I've actually tried. I've said it many times. Uh, at some point in my life, I thought that I would have outgrown the fact that 19 and 20 year old kids would be able to influence my mood on that level. <laughs> but for some reason, here I am almost 40 years old and it's still, still like that. Still rooting for laundry. And I, I mean, I have made, there's been times I made a conscious effort like, okay, today I'm going to chill out. Today I'm just going to sit here and watch the game. I'm not going to hold my whole house hostage during it and everything's going to be fine. And, Two minutes in, I'm a lunatic. I, 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 it's uncontrollable. Bill, we're gonna have to get you in for sound off sometime. Man, I would, would be, love yeah, that. Yeah, that would we'll, be a dream come true. For we'll, me. we'll figure that out. Oh, someday. you need to make that happen. Travis <laughs> is gonna be back next week. Uh, we'll, we'll knock through the sound off. Will be recorded this week. Gonna be on from four to six in the afternoon. Uh, I think I'm just gonna record that and um, and put that in the can but some interviews we'll make sure we hook up with rob Howe, uh and that way jethro's doesn't have to bring me food because man every week they bring us a mountain of food it's ridiculous i've managed it? to show up twice now after it's been picked over and then and you still get food coma they the, brought a tenderloin last week they brought the their sandwich that was called the jethro and it had this head-sized tenderloin <laughs> at, at the bottom of it i picked that thing apart all night long it was fantastic one of the best tenderloins i've ever had when i when i come in tell them that uh they got to bring ghost pepper wings <laughs> that's my number one favorite thing at jethro's like you know i you, love their you, wings you know how much i love hot food and i mean hot like i, I can eat i will eat things that make people's eyes water yeah i, I love stuff and these ghost pepper wings that they make at jethro's 
it's the most heat and most flavor at the same time I have ever had in my life. They're amazing. Usually something that gets that hot, they sacrifice flavor. You know where Jethro's is. You probably live within a few miles of one. I think all of us do. Now I want some mac and cheese from Jethro's. Maybe <laughs> yeah, a little jalapeno the jalapeno corn. corn is what it's a it's fantastic stuff. We're so <laughs> lucky so on Saturdays. Tune in on Saturday. We'll be on from four to six, and then of course after the uh, the Northwestern game on the twenty first. That's an eleven a.m. kickoff. Plan on Travis and I being on the air around three thirty four o'clock. Thanks a lot for tuning in to the Jethro's Barbecue Preview Podcast here on WHO. Go Hawks. World famous ribs on two. Ready? Break. Down. Set. Jethro's. Jethro's. Hot, hot. Jethro's Barbecue, your game day tailgate headquarters. Jethro's Barbecue voted best barbecue in Des Moines. Best wings in Des Moines. Best nachos in Des Moines. Jethro's Barbecue, y'all come for the football and stay for the party. Jethro's Barbecue featuring world famous slow smoked ribs. Jethro's Barbecue, six convenient metro locations and now open in Ames, 1301 Buckeye Avenue, just off Duff.